Broadcasting from the Wella offices, direct from the Atlanta Tech Village, you're listening to The Incubator, the voice of the Atlanta Tech startup scene. The Incubator is a weekly show featuring Atlanta-based startup founders, influencers, and entrepreneurs. Who they are, what drives them, and how they plan to change the world. Today's show is made possible by Willa, helping you on your financial journey every step of the way. And now, here are today's hosts. All right, Stags and Schnick back with you at The Incubator. I'm your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Ashley Staggs. Uh, this is going to be an important conversation. Millennials are taking over the planet. We need to understand how to work with them, how to train them, how to recruit them. Lots to talk about here. Yeah, because they are controlling us. Uh, we clearly cannot <laughs> control them. So we need to learn about that. Absolutely. Well, uh, we have a, a an interesting conversation coming up. Say hello to our guest. Her name is Jordan Lofton. She is the CEO of Golden Source Consultants. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure is mine. You and I had a chance to uh, connect and meet uh, probably a couple of weeks ago now and uh, really really was a, a, a mind-opening conversation about how much deep thinking you really do, how organizations really need to have a strategy behind how they're interacting with recruiting, training these millennials. Opened my eye, and so I, was, I thought it was important to have you on the show to talk about that. Uh, so uh, appreciate you making time to join us. Jordan, before we get into that conversation, take a quick second. Tell us a bit about you and your background, and then give us that 10,000-foot view of Golden Source Consultants. What do you do? How do you serve your market? Well, my background is actually, I'm a Georgia girl. I went to UGA and graduated with a degree in management. And right out of undergrad, I went into management consulting. And that has been my career ever since. One of the things that I saw happening was we were really kind of the first group of millennials that had entered into this particular consulting firm. And I was part of a class of about 60 individuals. So I really saw how my group changed that particular organization and some of the challenges that we faced coming into consulting for the first time. When I left, really, I left as a part of a group um, that was just making our first job change. And there were a lot of reasons for that, but the biggest reason was that we were just looking for an opportunity to continue to grow our skill sets. And in doing that, I ended up going independent for about two years. And in that two-year period, I went back, I received my MBA from Duke University and did that in strategy. Kind of looking ahead, what I had hoped to do with my degree from Duke was actually to use it to help the family business, which is an auto parts business. And I really thought that that was really going to be where my career path led next. But what ended up happening is I had a client come to me, ask me if I would start my own consulting firm. And that was really the beginning of Golden Source Consultants. And just like many startups, we've had a few pivots since that first day. But um, the pivot that has been the most meaningful for us is when I really started looking at my labor force and asking myself, what's happening with the talent that I'm recruiting? What is happening with how they're working on my client sites? And how is that aligning with what my client needs? And out of that, I ended up forming what we now call the associate program. And that program is a year-long program specific for undergraduate students. And it has three components. It is a training component, a rotation component, and a leadership component. The goal is that we're building our company from the ground up, creating successful leaders. So 
so that can progress within our organization and with our clients' organization. And what we found was that when we started sharing this, it was really looking at how we could grow our business. Ultimately, we're seeing clients that are facing this challenge and we're hearing the same challenge um, that other startups are having when they're recruiting millennial talent. That's what I'm most proud of with the associate program is that it's kind of our first step in making some breakthroughs in the millennial challenges. So is it, are you focusing more on getting the millennials to understand how to enter the workforce and how to do things during the course of their day and their processes? Or is it more about training the companies on how to hire and produce good millennial work? Or is it a little bit of both? I would say it's a little bit of both. I think Part of what we have seen and working with and talking with millennials as they're coming out of undergrad into our program is that they need and desire a successful transition. That is something that a lot of organizations, they put them through an onboarding process and everyone is familiar with onboarding processes, but they're not looking at what the millennials are asking for, which is how do I transition out of what has become a professional educational career into a professional working career. And that's quite a shocking shift for a lot of millennials. Employers also have to change their mindset a little bit too and understand how do I recruit them? How do I work with them? How do I retain them? Because we hear all of these things about millennials who are, there's just such a high turnover rate with millennials and that's been challenging for employers. But in reality, it's just a new way of working with our labor force. We have to adjust as employers and to meet the needs of our employees. And that's the same as any other generation before. It's just a new challenge. Well, we could almost have two interviews here. We could talk about millennials in, in an enterprise organization, and then we could talk about millennials in the startup community. I, there's probably some overlap there, but to me, those are very different sets of, of challenges. Probably commonalities in terms of how you should recruit and train and, and keep engaged. We're going to obviously focus more on the startup side of this thing, but, but take a quick second and talk about how the millennials are changing the workforce and the challenges that, 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 that comes with that. I think about my wife. She's a recruiter for PW. BC. We all understand that's a large global company, hundreds of thousands of employees. We were surprised to learn that a significant majority of the employees in a large consultancy like that are millennials. And you know, the, the, in terms of recruiting, you know, the, the, the campus-based recruiting is a significant part of their recruiting. It's amazing. I, I mean, I'm not surprised when you hear it and you understand it, but it was surprising nonetheless. So talk about just how millennials are changing the workforce and what are the key challenges that brings. One statistic that I think most people may be aware of is that millennials are the largest, are going to take over the workforce by 2025, will be the largest generation in the workforce by 2025. That's because the boomers are leaving the workforce at a rate of 10,000 boomers per day. They're retiring. So when you think about that, you have companies who are big companies who are saying, okay, I have leaders who are in, who are in that g- boomer generation. And the Gen X generation is certainly a big generation, but there's not enough of them to take over the leadership roles. And so there's going to be gaps in the, at a leadership level that have to be filled by millennials. And so that is a very young leader stepping into a very big role in my organization. And I have to train them quicker and they have to understand my customer base quicker than the Gen Xers have. And so that's a challenge. We see people that want to recruit millennials because 
they are very highly educated, they have a good work ethic, and they are kind of that go-getter, innovative generation. So those are great skill sets to add to your workforce. The question is, where do the boomers who are right now in that leadership level see them progressing? And I think that's where there's a lot of tension right now in the bigger companies is that that they're hiring them because they're the innovators. They're hiring them because they are the go-getters. They're hiring them because they do have that work drive and that high education. And where the millennial sees themselves is ultimately in that leadership position. And that boomer is seeing that I expect the progression of my my generation. I expect the progression of the Gen X where there was some time there for them to mature into a leadership role. And that time span is now shortened. And that's where the assumption uh, that millennials have a sense of entitlement comes from, maybe, is because the boomer is saying, I spent 15 years climbing this ladder, and this millennial is either here in five or expects to be there in five. But that's kind of the nature of the business, is what you're saying, is this is what the climate looks like right now. What are some other millennial myths, do you think, some people just need to get over at this point? I, yeah, I have Actually, I'm writing something about that right now. Um, so one of the myths that, and, and some of it is true, a little bit of the entitlement uh, is true in that you know, we do see ourselves progressing to a leadership position. And in reality, organizations, everyone can be a leader, but we all have to be servant leaders in order to be successful. There, there's work that has to be done. And I think that we are a generation as millennials that sees ourselves as leaders. We have been taught to be leaders. We've been taught that in schools. We've been encouraged by our family and friends to be leaders, to step up into roles of leadership. It's less about entitlement and more about trying to take on what we see as a need and to help serve a role. I think sometimes the way that that millennials go about it is less of an attitude of servant leader. And I think that's something that as a generation we need to pay attention to and remember that, and particularly in consulting in my industry, we are providing a service. And in being providing a service, you have to serve. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. we, we have to really think about that. And we are really moving to a society which is service-based. So, we have to remember the service part of it. It's the, the attitude of, you know, who are these young whippersnappers coming in here, butting at my heels and all that. I, I think a lot of it is confidence, though, too, right? I mean, they're, they're just set up, as you, as you said, they're set up differently with their education, the expectations of, of the modern business world, and the ability with modern tools to become a Mark Zuckerberg at 20-something years old and a billionaire, plus, plus, plus. Thus, uh, they have this different expectation of what's possible. My dad's generation, he loyally served a corporation for many, 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 many years I and mean, worked at the same organization for a long, long time. That's very common. That's no longer common. I think, that's, I think that speaks more towards the attitude, I think. Well, but to, to be fair, I think that there are people in our parents' generations who had that wild success story, just like Mark Zuckerberger. We just talk about it more in our generation. So if we think about Rockefeller, he look think about, you know, the history that he established and we still see the Rockefellers as a powerhouse in the business world. So I think we look at individual cases of millennials in our generation and we attribute that to all of the millennials. And in reality, we have some great success stories in every generation. All right. Uh, Jordan Lofton will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This is Wes Moss, former host of Atlanta Tech Edge on NBC in Atlanta. I'm here today, though, to talk to you about my new digital financial advisory firm, Wella. 
Well, is an old English word that means wealth. Several years ago, my team realized there were too many people who needed help with their financial strategy, but couldn't get the help they needed because they didn't reach the high investment minimums of many financial advisory firms. To answer this need, we developed Wella, a digital platform that allows us to help people just like you get free financial advice and tools to better manage their finances. We also offer online investing and the ability to work with your own investment advisor with no minimums. Learn more at yourwella.com. That's Y-O-U-R-W-E-L-A.com. All right. And we're back with Jordan Lofton, CEO of Golden Source Consultants. So we work, you know, we talk with a lot of startups. That's, you know, we're in a TV. This is what we talk about. Uh, and they they tend to be, it seems like they're all recruiting uh, and that it's millennials. What do they need to be thinking about when they're recruiting? My best advice is to first start with what are you trying to accomplish and what skill sets are you trying to bring into your organization? And I think we as startups, we certainly kind of look to ourselves first. We look to that familiarity of the millennial generation. So my first question to you is, what are you trying to recruit? Now, if we're specifically talking about how to recruit millennials, key millennial talent and millennial talent out of college, what I would say is once you identify that skill set, then your next question should be, how do I, through an interview process, identify and, and weed out that key talent out of that large labor pool? It, like I said, it's the largest generation that is coming into the workforce. So you have a lot of people to choose from, and you are now getting access to a lot of very highly educated, highly trained people. So how do you identify who the right fit is for you? And I think it's always important to start your questions with what is the best cultural fit. And so for GSC, my very first round interview is all about our culture. It has nothing to do with the skill sets they bring. I've already seen the resume. I've, I've done an initial kind of classification of, okay, this person has a GPA that makes sense. They have some work story that I can understand and can interpret to a client. So they've passed that initial FaceTime test when I look at their resume. But now I need to hear from them how they're going to fit into my company culture. And if there's not a fit there, they're ultimately not going to stay with me anyway. And I need to know that they're passionate about what I do because that's going to be conveyed to my customers. And so starting with culture is always a good place. Then what I do next with, with our interview process is actually work with them to get a little bit deeper into their skill sets by pairing them, not with me in an interview process, but with my employees. And seeing, A, how did they work and engage with my employees in another round? Because that's ultimately where the work is going to occur. Can they work together with whoever I assign them to mm -hmm. or with a peer at their own level? And you want to see that engagement in an interview process before you see it inside your company. You know, the skill sets can be translated in a number of different ways. It could be just through interview questions. It could just be through work-life experience. At the level where you're interviewing someone coming right out of college, there's not a lot of work history there for them to tell you how they've applied it on a job. So you're asking questions and they can demonstrate it to you in a number of different ways. You just need to see it demonstrated. So if I was going to offer millennials who are interviewing for the first time some advice, your personal experiences can be applied to a job. Mm -hmm. You yep. just have to think about how it makes sense for the company you're interviewing with. And when people have a hard time relaying that to me, it tells me they really haven't given a thought about what my company does and how they can benefit me. And so if, if there's not that fit there, 
then there's not a lot of opportunity for me to, to move them forward in my organization. The last thing that we try and do, and this may be a little bit more specific to consulting, but I think that as startups, we, are, we can certainly be creative in how we do this, is we actually give them an opportunity to demonstrate some work before we bring them in. And so for us, that's a case study interview. And so we actually get to see them in a stressful situation where they have two hours to perform. And I get to see what they can create in those two hours. Because at the end of the day, this is a big investment as a startup. And anytime I bring somebody on, I need to know, hey, look, the pressure is always going to be on. This is just two hours of it. Can they handle two or three years of a startup? And if the answer is they couldn't handle the two-hour interview, then this is not the right environment for them. They'll probably be better at a PwC. Well, when I think about another, think another challenge that startups have, because if I'm a marketing professional and I'm going to recruit it into PwC's marketing department, for instance, chances are I'm going to be working on marketing. And there's going to be several layers of senior vice presidents above me, then a vice president of marketing. My focus is going to be marketing. But when I'm recruited into a startup, which is obviously a smaller organization, you wear a lot of different hats too, right? So you may be recruited into the startup as a marketing person, but you're probably going to do a lot of different things, which can be exciting, but can also be problematic, right? How do you work through that? How do you how do you recruit for that? How do you prepare someone for that? How do you manage that once they're in? Because they may come in and say, whoa, 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 I'm supposed to be a marketing person, but you're asking me to do this and you ask me to do that. That's not what I'm supposed I to be doing. I call it, that's not my job syndrome. It's <laughs> a big problem, I think. It is. It's a huge problem. So how yeah. do you deal with that? This, this is actually kind of a plus of the millennial generation is that we like to have different challenges presented to us, right? We like that ability to take on something new every day. So I think we are looking for millennials who have that mindset. If you are the type of person who wants to come in and clock in and clock out and do the same thing every day, you're probably not going to be attracted to a startup in the first place, or you may think you're attracted to it. And so I always try and just explain you know, this is what it's like. You know, one, it's going to be different every day. It's fit you're talking right? about. Right? Yep. So if you're doing that up front in the interview process, then that's going to help you, but that's not going to save you, right? Because at, at the end of the day, that is a shock to someone's system because they're going back to their parents or their grandparents and relaying this experience and their family members are probably advising them, oh my gosh, they, that's not what they hired you to do, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what we have to do is to explain why that task is important and how that fits into the bigger picture. We become an internal salesperson at that point. We really have to give them the big picture. And it's very tempting to just, look, things are moving too quick. We're a startup, just get it done. But we need to slow down enough as a leader to explain to them, today I need you to work on creating this event where someone's going to come and, you know, we're going to try and pitch them something. Now, I didn't hire you as an event planner, but today that's what you're going to do because that's the help that we need to keep our business growing. If we don't do that, then there won't be work for you to do tomorrow. And then eventually there won't be any work. So we have to become that salesperson who explains that big picture. And I think for some startups, that's an issue. Okay, so that's how we recruit them. And earlier you mentioned the other challenge that companies are facing with millennials is retention. Now that we've recruited them, how do we retain them? This is a, a myth that can be solved, again, by how we treat our employees. Uh, I think that what we're seeing is that, you know, there's a myth that millennials like to job change and they're not going to stick around for the long term. Um, at one point, I did a focus group with a group of um, millennials and none of them have the mindset where they actually don't want to have a long 
long career with a particular company. It's not what they're thinking about when they're coming out of school. They really want to go in and make a difference with an organization. The difference is, and at least from my own experiences, when there was no longer any opportunity for me to grow, when there was no longer an opportunity for me to learn a new skill set, to see where I could go with their company, that's when I left. And maybe that was three or four years into that role so that my employer felt like I left them abruptly. But ultimately, it was that lack of investment or at least explaining to me what the future looked like with me in it. And so I think as employers, we have to think about how are we growing that individual? And we can't necessarily grow them into new job titles immediately or a new paycheck immediately. But what we can do is invest in their skill sets or show them new opportunities with our clients, show them where the company is heading so that they can see their future with our company. And I think we hire them and then we put them through some training and we think that, okay, they've they've gone through their onboarding, we've invested in training and that's great. Check, done, but then, move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not just the one-time training. It's not just that one opportunity when they got their first offer. We have to keep making those things apparent to them or else they are going to look right. at the next I, thing. Yeah, I've had, I had a boss look at me once and say, in my annual review, uh, everything's great, you're doing awesome, but you know this is about as high as you're going to go. And just straight up told me and then was shocked when I left six months later. It's <laughs> 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 like, all right then, well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> well, I think he did, did you a service then. Yeah, he definitely did. But yeah. you mentioned, quote, one-time training. I mean, I, I, it seems to me, if I'm understanding the Jordan Lofton uh, methodology here, that the training is ongoing or should be. Walk us through how that works. And so one of our core values is actually continual learning. And so what we look for is individuals who just have a passion for learning and knowledge. And learning comes in a couple of different ways. It comes from things that we learn on the job and so skill sets that we can obtain. And so we as employers have to look at how is the job that my employee doing? How can that skill set be stretched into new ways? And ultimately, that's a value I as an employer gain because I have someone who can do more and I didn't have to hire somebody else on. So I think employers kind of get themselves kind of boxed into, I hired them with this skill set. I've trained them for this skill set. And then that's all that they can do. So we can push them a little bit more. They're looking to be pushed. The other thing is, what can they they learn outside of work? Are there opportunities that we can give them that are not just applicable to work? You know, working with great companies like Wella, you know, as a benefit to you working with GSC, we allow you to have access to Wella so that you can learn how to grow your financial planning. And so that's a benefit to them. They're learning a skill set that's going to help them have a long-term career and be successful in their life. You know, looking at, you know what, I'm ready to go back and get my MBA. I'm ready to possibly grow a skill set that may ultimately take me away from you as my employer. I always will be loyal to you. I will always be a brand ambassador for you. And I think employers kind of get that. I don't want to lose the employee and that's an expensive investment. Even just allowing them the time to go pursue those opportunities is ultimately probably going to be something that keeps them with you longer. It's more likely that they, that you'll stay with them than it is if you don't offer them well, anything. Let's go to your conversation where your boss said, this is probably as hard as you're going to go. Mm-hmm. If the conversation instead was, you know, I want to, I want to, thinking about your future, I, I think you would be good at X. You're not doing X. Right. Let's talk about how you, we could get you learning more about that. That would, yeah. that would have been an entirely different, totally different conversation. That's what yeah. you're talking about, right, Jordan? Something along, along those lines. Absolutely. And you know, if if we were sitting here asking you, okay, you know, in ten years, where do you see yourself? Everybody in their career path at some point has thought about that themselves. Where do I see myself in ten years? And then you have employers who are asking that, but they're asking it after the fact. Right. 
right? So if, if they had come to you at that point and said, look, where where's your long-term goal? How can that be with my company? And maybe that's a role that doesn't exist right now. Maybe that is a skill set I hadn't considered you for, but you're really passionate about it. And then I can start thinking outside of the box and saying, okay, you know, I, I probably can't pivot my entire company. So I think as millennials, we have to kind of accept the fact that there's not going to be a complete change of what the company offers because we have this grand idea. There can be ways that we can use those same skill sets or grow those same skill sets to something that is of value to the company. See, I, I look back, Ashley, when I was in that millennial age range, I wasn't looking 10 years. That was a big mistake I made in my life. I didn't think that far ahead. And I wish I had had a leader come to me and say, let me help you figure that out and give you some guidance there. So I think there are some that aren't thinking along those ways. And and to give them that guidance, I think, could be really valuable. Yeah, that's one of the reasons we decided to do the associate program the way that we did. Because like I was saying earlier, there's this shift of being a professional, you know, being in the education world, and now you're kind of transitioning to the work world. Everything in your education is very spelled out. You're going to go to high school, you're going to go to college, and then after, you may go to work, or you may go and get a postdoctorate. So now you're looking at, okay, that's very clear, very spelled out, but in my working career, I have options. And I may not have thought about how those options apply, or I may not have an understanding of what I think, oh, I want to be a lawyer. I've never had any practical work experience in the law to really understand what that career path is like. As employers, part of the thing that's important is to give them some opportunity to try some different hats on. And we may, through the interview process, know, I already know this this kid is going to be great at blah. And we can force that on them or we can let them realize it for themselves. That's part of the discovery that we have to allow and then show them now that you have exposed and you've you've kind of identified what you want to do, here's what a career path really looks like and give them the 10-year roadmap with your organization. Help them do that. That's part of your responsibility. What else can we do beyond that? I mean, is there, what are millennials expecting nowadays in terms of salary? Uh, You know, I feel like that's kind of the other thing is that they're a little misguided about how much they can actually make. I think part of the problem that we have is, is the way that big companies are recruiting millennial talent and they're able to be very competitive in the offers that they give some of what they call the key talent coming right out of school. So we're seeing offers from big companies like the Googles and the Apples of the world that are very lucrative. That doesn't mean that every company can afford that salary level. So I think as startups, the first thing that we have to do is to look at other ways of providing value. What are the things that we do? What are the things that we're offering that an Apple or a Google can never offer? We're offering the ability to create something that has never been done before. We're offering the ability to build something together. We're offering the ability to train you and to allow you some freedom to take this where you want to take it. And that's not something that a big corporation is going to offer. We're able to offer some you know, benefits that are unique. And that whether that's our training, whether that's something like Wella, whether that's be something that's free from the employer standpoint, but it's unique. And so we have to kind of put our thinking caps on and really start looking at selling ourselves and the values outside of the big corporations. For GSC, our values themselves is part of what we sell to individuals, that we are here and we're committed, we're, we have a family environment, we have, you know, we're passionate about what we do, we're passionate about service, and that itself is more valuable to our employees than the high salary they would get in a bigger consulting firm. We're running low on time, Jordan, uh, but I think it's important uh, to have one final discussion around process. 
I know that's a that's a it's a big thing that you advocate and talk about. When I think about a startup, they like to pride themselves in our ability to fly by the seat of our pants and to because we're a startup, we're small, we're nimble, and we can be agile. But to me, it sounds like most startups would say process. What? what? No, we don't need process because we're a startup because we're cool and hip. What, what's your what's your what's your thought on that? I, I get the feeling I know where you're going to go on this. <laughs> so I'm I'm a process geek and I'm very passionate about process. The the story I like to tell is my father as a as a business owner he does he's not a big reader but he recommended a book to me about five years ago it was called the e-myth and the e-myth is about um it's basically about a pie shop owner she's a small business she's an entrepreneur and she can't grow her business past a certain point she's very successful she's selling out of her pies every day and the problem is that she's spending so much time working in the business she can't work on the business but the reason she can't grow it past that point and get out of the business is because she doesn't have a process to which she can hand to somebody else. And so for me, processes at a small business and a startup level, it's about scalability. And if we're truly thinking about scalability, if you're going to ask for angel or venture funding, they're going to want to know, can this scale past the five people that you have on your payroll now? And how do you get out of the business and start becoming the CEO that you are meant to be? And you have to start by having a process that you can hand to somebody else. Your customers want to know that, that your company works and that they could talk to any one of your employees and get the same level of quality. Otherwise, they're always going to come to you. As startup owners, we have to start looking at our process, documenting a process. It doesn't mean the process has to be static. We can have an agile process where that process is dynamic. It can't change every day because then it's inconsistent, but it, it needs to start somewhere. So document your process, then look at ways to improve it, and then hand it off to somebody. I'm looking at my producer right now. He and I got to do some better work on developing processes for, <laughs> for our business. Uh, well, Jordan, gosh, uh, uh, we could go on and on and on about these critically important subjects. Unfortunately, we're running low on time today. Uh, I think you're aware of the fact that this uh, this show, The the Incubator, is made possible by Wella. So it is time for our Wella question of the week, which is, what is the best piece of financial advice you have ever received or given? So I'm going to give a very millennial answer here. Ah, nice. <laughs> which is is it's always a good investment to invest in yourself. Um, so whether that is giving yourself a little bit of time off to in invest and recuperate, whether that's investing back in your own education through pursuing an MBA, whether that's taking a continual education course, investing in yourself always pays off. Figures good. Jordan would say, oh, yeah. get, a, get an MBA. That's, that, that's my best piece When she life. said take some time off, I was like, oh yes, to rest and relax, like a vacation, right? That, that and then she said MBA. One. Well, that is vacation for, for someone like Jordan. So. Uh, that's the Wella question of the week. Jordan, great to have you. Before I let you go, how can people contact you? Should they have questions and learn more about all the great work you're doing at Golden Source Consultants? If they go to our website, www.goldensourceconsultants.com, they can go and find more information and if you hit the contact us there's a place where you can you can download some white papers and reach out to us over email all right jordan lofton the ceo of golden source consultants great to have you thanks for sharing some wisdom with us absolutely thank you all right well that's all the time we have for today again on behalf of our guest jordan lofton my co-host ashley staggs i am todd schnick we'll see you next week in the incubator You've been listening to The Incubator, recorded from the Wella offices, direct from the Atlanta Tech Village. This broadcast is a partnership between the Intrepid Now Media Network 
and Hypopotamus, and made possible by Wella, helping you on your financial journey every step of the way. The Incubator is directed by Andrea Risk and produced by Floyd Fischel. You can find The Incubator on iTunes, and leaving a rating and review on iTunes will be appreciated by all. Again, you've been listening to The Incubator. The show will return next week. We'll see you then.